everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and your host for the program. This is episode 34 of season two of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Oh yeah, I know, it's been a long time since I posted an episode. I know, I know, I know, but I've been rather busy and a lot of stuff going on, and we'll recount some of that. In the show today, which is being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. They've helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. Now, if you would like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. So, a lot has transpired uh, since our last visit, and we're going to dispense with our normal structure of the show, and I'm just going to uh, ramble away here. Uh, this, As this is being recorded, this is the morning after the Grizzlies got a one-point win in San Antonio to secure their first-ever Southwest Division title. Uh, Grizzlies, for the first time in franchise history, they're now 31 games over 500. By beating San Antonio, not only did they clinch the Southwest Division title, they also clinched the two-seed in the West. So the Grizzlies will get the winner of the play-in game with the seven-seed and the eighth-seed, which right now uh, it looks like the Grizzlies will be playing either the Los Angeles Clippers or the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round of the NBA playoffs. That's assuming that the seedings remain exactly as they are and that Denver doesn't backslide into the seventh spot and, and Minnesota would leapfrog them. But uh, right now it appears that the Grizzlies will be playing either the Timberwolves or the Clippers in the NBA playoffs. While, uh, why, why have I been away? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> the season kind of gets to you after a while. And I think all of us, when you get to the 70 or so game mark, uh, that's, that's when the fatigue really sets in. Uh, we have, of course, the long road trip that for me actually started uh, with a commercial flight to Oklahoma City because I also do Memphis 901 FC uh, USL Championship Soccer on television uh, here in Memphis. And so uh, I, I did their season opener against uh, Pittsburgh and then caught a very early morning flight to Dallas and then on to Oklahoma City to start that road trip and come back for a cup of coffee. And, uh, and wouldn't you know, I get a call from my agent saying, hey, uh, TNT is wondering if you can do a game in Denver on Tuesday. Uh, sure, I can do that. Uh, well, the Grizzlies have games at home on Wednesday and Thursday. How do I manage this? But it's one of those things that uh, when Turner Sports calls you and asks you to do an NBA game and, and you know, an NBA game on TNT, that had been on my broadcast bucket list. I had done two postseasons with NBA TV, which is owned by Time Warner Media, formerly known as, as Turner. Uh, so I had had the opportunity uh, for a, a little national exposure uh, to get to work with the great people at Turner slash Time Warner. That was a lot of fun. But to be able to say, you're watching the NBA on TNT, that was something I always wanted to do. And uh, very fortunate the way that it worked out, uh, that game uh, between the Clippers and Denver uh, fell on the Tuesday after guys like Brian Anderson and Kevin Harlan and Ian Eagle, who, by the way, called the NBA on TNT, had just wrapped up the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, which is a real grind for them uh, for prepping and for going to multiple shoot-arounds and multiple practices and talking to multiple coaches and all that. And 
and essentially they said, you know what, can, can we just have Tuesday off? And uh, shout out to my agent, Maura Gostfran, for uh, working with uh, Turner to, to get me that gig. And uh, also to Brian Anderson, uh, who has been a, a fantastic advocate for me uh, behind the scenes uh, with them. And uh, it, it, was, it was a great deal of fun. So that was going on. Uh, it's just been very, very busy around here. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I could do this podcast justice rather than just kind of kind of throw it together. So uh, if you missed the podcast, and I hope you did, uh, sorry, <laughs> we'll try not to be away so much. Uh, schedule has now kind of cleared up to a point where uh, there will be more time to, uh, to devote to it and hopefully get some special guests as we head into the end of the regular season and then into the postseason. So uh, trying to catch up on sleep a little bit. Very late night getting back in from San Antonio. It's a late start in San Antonio. They tip their games at 7.30. By the time you fly back, it's, it's a good hour 20 or so. Uh, and, and by the time you get home, it's about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. So uh, long night, uh, but y- you know you feel really good about it because the plane ride home last night, uh, getting on board the plane, obviously everybody was in very good spirits, winning a game that you, know, you, you were up 18 at one point, and credit to the San Antonio Spurs. They are, whereas it appears the Los Angeles Lakers don't really care whether or not they make the play-in tournament, they really do care in San Antonio. And I talked with one of the people from the San Antonio front office uh, yesterday, and they said, you know, halfway through the season, people in, in San Antonio are saying, just just go ahead and tank. Just, just tank. We'll get in the lottery. We'll add another piece. We'll be good. Well, all of a sudden, they start winning games. Uh, Keldon Johnson starts playing fantastic basketball. DeJounte Murray coming on, and now with back-to-back 33-point games, which represents a career high for him. All of a sudden, they started saying, hey, we can get the 10 seed. We can get into the play-in tournament, which they did last year. They were the 10th seed. And, of course, the Grizzlies at nine beat them and then beat Golden State to get into the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, Greg Popovich coached one hell of a game last night. Uh, came up with anything and everything he could think of, including a box and one, which I don't recall ever seeing at the NBA level. That's a box and one for those who are not into the basketball terminology or X's and O's. It's basically where you identify one player that you will take man to man. And then the other four guys create a box, boxes and elbows uh, using zone principles. And it was something that they they were, they were trying to take Desmond Bain. They're trying to take guys out of the ball game. And, uh, and it really did, uh, give the Grizzlies some issues because typically uh, NBA teams don't practice to go up against the box and one. And the Grizzlies dodged, obviously, if you saw the end of the game, a major bullet, a, a great play drawn up by Greg Popovich. Keldon Johnson had a layup, good contest by Desmond Bain. Layup doesn't go in. And almost certainly that would have been a game winner for San Antonio. Bain with a good contest. I was half expecting a whistle and a foul and Johnson to the line with two free throws to, to potentially win the game, but it didn't turn out that way. But, you know, and there, there's a certain amount of symmetry in all this because when you think about it, the Grizzlies won their first ever playoff game at AT&T Center against San Antonio. They clinch their first ever division championship against the Spurs at AT&T Center. So that was, that was a pretty neat uh, parallel that I didn't think of until this morning, unfortunately. But, um, you know, everybody was really happy and, 
Taylor Jenkins went through the entire plane. He shook everybody's hand. I mean everybody's hand from every player, every athletic trainer, every performance staff member, uh, back to uh, our social media person, Carrie, um, security people, broadcast, everybody uh, got a handshake and a thank you from Taylor Jenkins. And, and he really and truly is a special guy. And I'll touch on that a little bit later as to one of the reasons why this Grizzlies team has become so successful and, and particularly so beloved here in Memphis. So uh, that's on the agenda that we're going to talk about. But uh, yeah, last night was really cool. No hats and T-shirts. I know that, uh, you know, in the NFL and other places, you win a division title, they, they pass out hats and T-shirts. I've not seen any. I don't know if there will be any. All I do know is that this team has greater aspirations beyond the Southwest division title. In the meantime, it's pretty cool to say that you won your division. It's the first time for the Grizzlies, and uh, I'm sure it will not be the last. As I mentioned a little while ago, part of the reason I was on hiatus is had the opportunity to do a game for... TNT uh, Clippers at Denver and had the opportunity to work with Stan Van Gundy and in a bit of serendipity when the Grizzlies were in Atlanta getting ready to play the Hawks uh, Stan was already in Atlanta he was doing some studio work for NBA TV and so we sat down and, and had a great breakfast and and chatted about our respective histories our philosophies of broadcasting and and, and things like that Stan Van Gundy I I enjoyed listening to him uh, when he was in the bubble with Iron Eagle, of course, went to New Orleans and coached for a year, and that didn't work out. Really have always enjoyed his work from afar, and then getting the opportunity to meet him, to talk with him, to, to pick his brain uh, about basketball and broadcasting. It, it, was, it was great fun. And one of the things about Stan Van Gundy, there is a um, self-effacing personality about him in that you know, he tells me, I'm relatively new to this broadcast thing. Help me, teach me, give me advice. And I always find that a little a little strange, um, you know, when somebody at the network level starts saying, hey, you know, help me, uh, give me some pointers. Uh, but I, I think Stan does a really good job. He's a very different analyst, for example, than Brevin Knight. Uh, and it, listeners of this podcast might remember that I, I had Brian Anderson on the show earlier this season. And we, we talked about working with Stan Van Gundy. Little did I know that a couple months later, I actually would be working with Stan Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy's different from Brevin in that Brevin calls the game and analyzes the game based on what he sees in front of him during the course of the game. Stan Van Gundy does an incredible amount of research. And look, Turner has research people. Uh, they enlist um, Stat Factor run by my good friend Jeff Chapman, who also provides stuff for the Grizzlies. He came out with notes. The email was a page and a half long of maybe like eight-point type. Everything you could possibly know or want to know about the Nuggets and the Clippers. It was a detailed scouting report on every player, where they like to go, what they like to do, what they've been shooting recently. And, and Stan really delves into the numbers. He's a big numbers guy. And so I, I, I changed my approach a little bit because with Brevin, he handles kind of the broad X's and O's and I will, I will, you know, drop in with, with the stats, hopefully not too many, although I am tempted sometimes, but Stan Van Gundy, he has the numbers. He's like Hubie Brown uh, in that 
he uses the numbers to uh, depict how a team likes to play the game. And so I kind of reversed what I normally would do and let Stan go with the numbers. And I would, I would try to tee him up to the very best of my ability. But fun guy, great to talk to, uh, great to work with, uh, a man whose interests go far beyond the game of basketball. If you follow his Twitter feed, you know his, his political leanings. But one of the things that I thought was most impressive about Stan was we had conversations about theater. We had conversations about the work that he and his wife do with incarcerated individuals in Central Florida, trying to help them, educationally speaking. Um, just, uh, like I said, a really a well-rounded guy and a guy that you definitely would love to hang out and talk hoops with. And so it was a great experience being around Stan Van Gundy. Now, I will transition to say, I know that he, that, that he pissed a lot of people off in Memphis by saying John Morant's not an MVP candidate. Um, and, and I'm probably going to anger some people, too. Ja would be in the conversation, but for the fact that this team is, what, now 19-2 and two when he does not play. And for me, if you are voting for most valuable player, which I am not, by the way, team broadcasters no longer are involved in the voting, you have to look at the impact on winning. Ja has had an impact on winning, but when you compare what Nikola Jokic has done with the Denver Nuggets, when you think that Jamal Murray hasn't played at all this season, may not play this season, Michael Porter Jr. out for a good portion of this season, and you look at Denver being potentially a top six playoff team and avoiding the play-in tournament, and Nikola Jokic, what he has done, his impact on winning I think is greater than than anybody else. And he's certainly the most efficient player in the NBA. I think number two is, is Joel Embiid. He certainly has an argument. Uh, DeMar DeRozan had an argument, but Chicago has taken a step back. John Morant, you can, you can say that he has had an impact on winning. He has been spectacular. He has been uh, a, a much improved player over last year. And in fact, some people saying, well, maybe he, he should be the most improved player in the league. That you can maybe make an argument for that but again and Stan's you know Stan makes a very good point what hurts Ja in the MVP race is the fact that the Grizzlies are 19 and 2 when he does not play Um, so you know when you compare that with what Nikola Jokic has done the record that Denver has compiled when they have been severely shorthanded this year that speaks to me that Nikola Jokic is is the most valuable player in the NBA on the other hand Stan Van Gundy, and he said this on the air. He didn't just say this to me privately. He said this on the air uh, during that during that Clipper Nugget game that Taylor Jenkins should be coach of the year. And of course, of course, I agree with that. And in the coach of the year race, Ilgamani Williams in, in Phoenix, and and he's done a fabulous job. There's absolutely no question that Monty Williams has has done a great job in Phoenix, and they may well win the championship. Monty Williams basically has the same team he had last year. For good or for ill, the Coach of the Year award essentially goes to who did more or who exceeded expectations more than anybody else. And when you're talking about that, certainly J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland has, has done that. Uh, you know, now dealing with with injury issues. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, like I said, has to be in the conversation. Nick Nurse, what he has done with a Toronto team that has been injured, has been hurt, um, you know, and, and all that they have had to deal with being in Canada 
and COVID, uh, a year removed from playing their season in Tampa. The fact that he has them in the playoffs is is really remarkable. So Nick Nurse, I think, has to be uh, part of the conversation there. But you have to go with Taylor Jenkins. Is there anyone, is there anyone among us who thought this team would be a two seed? No. Even the most optimistic Grizzlies fan was thinking maybe, maybe you get to be the sixth seed. And if you get to be the sixth seed, okay, now we can talk uh, because we can avoid the play-in. You get a few extra days of rest. You'll have home court advantage, uh, hopefully, uh, if you're four or higher. If you make six, well, then you would not. But nobody, nobody thought this team was going to be a two seed in the West. I don't know that anybody had this team winning 50 games. Uh, and that is all a tribute to Taylor Jenkins and the culture that he has created. We're going to get to more on Taylor Jenkins and the culture he has created because I've got some insights in that and I want to share those with you. But before we get to that, I want to tell everybody that today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Hey, college basketball fans, you can join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win. They'll get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, then track your results. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any College Hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP, that's for Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. For Connecticut, 1-888-789-7777, or you can visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Iowa, it's 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, it's 877-8-HOPE-NY, or you can text also to HOPE-NY. In Oregon, visit opgr.org. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Or in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Again, you must be 21 or older, 18 or older in New Hampshire or Wyoming. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And now back to the show. Why do I think Taylor Jenkins should be coach of the year? It's about the culture that he has created. One of the things that Taylor Jenkins talks about so often is care factor. The greatest strength of Taylor Jenkins is his communication style. It is his ability and belief that you treat people as people first, as basketball players or staff members second. 
Uh, you, you care about people, who they are, what they stand for. That's the most important thing to him. And it's a huge part of the care factor. Um, it has created a spirit with his basketball team that goes far beyond the guys who wear short pants. It has gone to the support staff. It's gone to everybody that rides that, that the, the team bus uh, or, or the team plane. A couple of quick examples. I forget what city we're in, but it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And you need to understand that the procedure for us when the Grizzlies are on the road is that there are four buses that take us to the hotel after we disembark the plane. There is a cube truck that has been rented, and that takes all the equipment. And, and right now, NBA teams travel with a ton of equipment. It's every bit of uh, – it's not just uniforms and shoes – it, there's a whole lot of stuff there. There are massage tables. There are all kinds of technological gear that have to go along. It takes a pretty big cube truck to handle all of the luggage that this group has. So the buses will arrive at the hotel. Our keys will be in envelopes at the door. And then the baggage truck arrives. Hopefully the baggage truck, ar truck arrives sooner rather than later. The baggage truck does not come with its own staff. It comes with a driver. Maybe a helper, maybe a helper. That truck has to be unloaded and the hotel staff ain't doing it. And it's the Grizzlies performance staff, the medical staff, equipment staff, athletic training staff, video staff, all of them. And they are the ones that are unloading the truck and they are setting the bags out and getting them ready to be tagged so they can go up to the rooms. I forget which night it was, what city it was might have been Atlanta for all I for all I can remember. The group is out there and they are, you know, doing doing the uh, the bucket brigade line of bags and they are laughing and they're singing and just having a good old time, which you're thinking two o'clock in the morning after a game and a long flight. You're unpacking bags, and these are, these are not small bags. And here this group, they're, they're singing, they're having the time of their lives. Now, obviously, the fact that the Grizzlies are winning certainly is helpful to that. Uh, you, when, when you win, you feel like you're never going to lose again. And, of course, when you lose, you think you're never going to win again. So when the Grizzlies are on a roll, and they've been a very good road team this year, it's easy to have really good spirits. But to me, look, I've been in this business almost 30 years in the NBA. I have never, ever seen anything like that. I have never seen a spirit around a team that is this pervasive, that is this positive, and this real. I've never seen that before. And like I said, it, it, it permeates all groups. Um, and by that, I mean you've got players, you've got coaches, you've got the performance staff, you've got the athletic training and medical staff, uh, you've got the video coordinators, um, You've got team broadcast, you've got media relations, you've got security. These are all the groups that are on a typical trip. And they all work together. And everybody's welcomed. And everybody is respected for the job that they have. Another example is, you know, for a number of years, those of us in, in the broadcast end, uh, we never got any gear from basketball operations. I mean, that, that's, that, that's neither here nor there. It's just how they how they did business, whether it was to save money or, you know, they didn't feel we were part of the team or, or whatever it was. That's not to 
to speak ill of anybody who who used to be with the organization and, and, and no longer is. That's not the point of this. Some teams they give their broadcasters, you know, pretty much everything the players get. And you know, some give a, a couple things. And if we wanted anything, we had to pay for it. Uh, sometimes out of our own pocket, which is fine. That's just the way that it was. Last couple of years, you know, the Grizzlies and the, the you know the marketing group they, they've actually paid for us to get to get some of the gear. This year, Corey McCain, who's, who's new to the Grizzlies as the equipment manager, uh, rings up our, our producer Scott Zachary says, "I got some stuff for you," and it's like, "What?" And it 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 was some gear that we had not ordered, <laughs> that we had not asked for. And, you know, so we were wearing the same stuff that the coaches were wearing and, and the players were wearing. And we asked Corey, he's like, well, how did this happen? He says, look, I'm the equipment manager. My job is to equip the team. You're part of the team. So you're going you're gonna, to so get this stuff, which is really, really cool because now you feel a little bit more invested in it. And... There is a level of respect. A, there is that care factor that starts from Taylor Jenkins and cascades down through the organization that he respects us. Uh, we, we canceled it because of, of COVID this year, but he wanted to sit down and have a meal with the broadcast group. First coach that that has ever happened. I was in a situation with the Portland Trailblazers years ago where basketball operations separated itself from everything else in the Trailblazers organization. And there was one time, it was one year when the, when, when the Blazers really felt they had a chance to win a championship. And somebody from basketball operations came into to a Monday morning marketing meeting and said, okay, we're going into the season. Don't ask us for anything. Don't ask players to make appearances. We are here to win a championship. That's all that matters. All the community relations stuff, don't care. Marketing, we don't care. Sponsorship, we don't care. And we all sat there in this meeting and we're, you know, those of us in broadcast and marketing, we're like looking at each other like, what the hell just happened? And and that was the way they ran that organization at that point in time. That's not the way the Grizzlies are running this organization. And the whole care factor, I mean, look, as broadcasters, we're trying to best represent the Memphis Grizzlies in every way that we possibly can. But when you know that the coach respects you, when you know that the basketball operations staff respects the job that you are doing and appreciates the job you're doing, you're going to give it a little extra because you, there, there's just something when you know that you are appreciated by a, by a group, by an individual. And that matters. If it matters to us, in the broadcast end because of the way we are treated by the head coach and basketball operations. Can you imagine how much better the players feel when they get that type of care factor from Taylor Jenkins and the staff? That's part of the reason why this team is so good. Look, they're talented. We get that. But did anybody think that DeAnthony Melton is going to have a career year scoring the basketball? Did anybody think DeAnthony Melton was going to be, you know, on the cusp of being a top 10 steel guy? Did anybody think that, that Tyus Jones was going to have the amazing year that he's having this year? Did anybody know that Steven Adams was going to have the year that he is having? You're seeing guys have career years in different ways here in Memphis, and that's not an accident. And for me, 
that is why you go with Taylor Jenkins and saying this guy should be coach of the year. If you are really inside the organization and you see it on a daily basis, which we do in, in the broadcast area, you have an even greater appreciation. The voters who are mostly national in scope will look and say, oh, the Grizzlies, we thought we were, they were going to be maybe a little bit better than a 500 team. Well, they're now 31 games over 500. Okay, well, that gets our interest. But for those of us who are really, really close to the team, who see Taylor Jenkins, uh, who see Darko Ryakovich, uh, who see Brad Jones on a daily basis and see the coaching staff and get to interact with them, it becomes even more apparent what a great job Taylor Jenkins has done. And it goes beyond the win-loss record, but it goes to the culture that he has created simply by making sure that everybody in the organization is looked after, everybody in the organization is cared for, and is shown appreciation. And the benefits obviously are there because this team, two seed in the West and the Southwest Division champions. And I really think that's what make this, makes this team tick. Sure, they're talented, they're well-coached, but there's that little intangible that Taylor Jenkins has built in terms of culture with this Grizzlies organization that has allowed them to exceed expectations. And so I think, and I know I'm biased, but if Taylor Jenkins isn't coach of the year, you know, I'll, I'll certainly be disappointed. Like I said, Monty Williams, fabulous job. Same team as last year. Um, you know, of course, the Grizzlies essentially have the same team as they had last year, but Jaron Jackson Jr. missed most of last season. So, uh, you know, hopefully the, the national uh, voters will, will come correct and, and vote Taylor Jenkins Coach of the Year because I think he is, uh, he is certainly deserving of it. Uh, the Grizzlies uh, will have a big matchup on Friday. They take on the Phoenix Suns, potentially a Western Conference Finals preview. Could be. Uh, will be very intriguing. Grizzlies figure not to have John Moran. I don't know if, if the thought is that John may play a regular season game or two uh, before heading into the playoffs. Grizzlies, because they won't be in the play-in tournament, they're going to have an extra four or five days off because the way that this breaks down is that uh, the Grizzlies will have Phoenix at home on Friday. On Monday, they fly to Utah. Uh, they have Utah uh, and then Denver come home for a home back-to-back, -back, New Orleans, and then Boston on a Saturday-Sunday. Season ends on Sunday, April 10th. The playoffs will start on Saturday the 16th. Uh, game one would either be the 16th or the 17th for the Grizzlies. Knowing that the Grizzlies are going to play this, the, the, the seven seed, which would be the winner of the first play-in game, my thought is... That may be a Saturday start, but that's merely a, a, a guess on my part. Uh, we'll see about that. For those of you who are interested um, in the broadcast information, just to be totally clear about this, because I know I get a ton of questions about this, local telecasters, i.e. Bally Sports Southeast, we can originate telecasts for the first round for any game that is not ABC. Okay, In the playoffs... We can go side-by-side side with TNT. We go side-by-side side with ESPN. The only way that we would not have a local telecast would be if a Grizzlies game got picked up to be put on, you know, a Sunday afternoon uh, on ABC or something like that. So that's where that goes. If the Grizzlies win their first-round playoff series, 
Once you get into the second round, no more local telecasts. Local radio, of course, uh, you know, still goes, but uh, no local telecasts from the second round or after. So that's where we're at. If the Grizzlies do get into the second round, there will be coverage on Bally Sports Southeast. Those coverage plans are being uh, discussed and finalized. Hopefully, we uh, we will be able to enact those. So that's the way the broadcast is going to work. Um, and that's about it. Uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back with you. Um, Going to try and line up some guests here uh, as we get ready for the NBA playoffs. But for the Grizzlies, it, it's been really a remarkable season. When you think of the transition to going back to having the buildings full, uh, you know, we started off the season. We were being tested daily for COVID. We were masked. Uh, all of us in the broadcast group, or most of us in the broadcast group, all the on-air guys, uh, we each had our run-in with COVID and, and, and missed a handful of games. We were on the road, then we're off the road, uh, and now we're back on the road. It, it's, been, it's been a crazy year. It, it's been a really, really unique year, but it has been one that will be remembered not only for the uniqueness of the traveling, not traveling, the daily COVID testing and things like that, but it will be remembered as the first ever team in franchise history to win a divisional title, which is a special accomplishment, but it is not the be-all and end-all for this group. Certainly they have uh, greater aspirations, and when we talk to people around the league, they all shake their head and said, and tell us, you know, we think you guys can win a championship. So uh, it, it's going uh, to be a long journey. It's going to be a long journey, hopefully, for the Grizzlies uh, in the NBA playoffs, which will start – uh, the at the very earliest Saturday, April 16th. All right, that's a wrap. Episode 34, Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. Our thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook and Hoop City Basketball Club for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>